Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And a big boy howdy. Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, brand new for 2021. Well, actually, we're in the in, past, but we're in the future. In the future, indeed. Yeah. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France. Todd Roberts will be joining us soon. Our guest is uh, the fastest gun alive. And he's his, still alive, and, and, he's, still and alive. he's an old timer, so yeah, he's got to be good. That's right. His name is Thel Reed, and um, th- this guy is just something incredible. Thel, welcome to the program. Where are you calling us from? Oh, hi. Uh, I'm calling from my, my best friend's house over at Troy Teske, okay. Glacial Estate. It's nice and quiet over here. My dogs aren't barking all the time. <laughs> hey, hi, Troy. Hello, this is Troy. I'm just giving him a place to uh, that's nice and quiet, and he can talk all he wants. We appreciate that. Well, so can you, Troy. Yeah. We, we like we like hey, yucky people. The more the merrier, man. Todd Roberts from Los Angeles is uh, on the line with us. Uh, howdy, sir. Howdy, sir. So, uh, well, howdy, gentlemen. How are you all? We Happy are well. New Year to you all. Yes, sir. Happy but let's New Year. let's uh, let's let's get the truth out onto the table here. The reason he's at Troy's is there's twofold. Troy's house is full of guns. Number one and number two, there's liquor. Ah, <laughs> liquor is that the dog? <laughs> Got a dog named Liquor. That's kind of cool. I like it. <laughs> Guns and liquor, so, man. That, that and one. Troy, and and we'll also mention just to just to make sure that uh, Troy is recognized. Troy is a, fi- a former police officer and firefighter. I well, guess. all right. He's a police officer now, currently too. <laughs> wow. Okay. Former firefighter, former firefighter, and now a police officer. Wow. Well, thank you for your service. Can't keep a job, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've already retired as a firefighter, and now I'm working on my second retirement. Yeah, you know, when you retire, you are busier than when you were actually working. I think that's the most what I hear. (laughs) It's the most overrated thing in the world, retirement. Indeed. Well, anyway, let me practicing when he's single actions now too. I keep you busy doing that all the time. For sure. (laughs) Anyway, let's get to the meat of the program. Uh, First one for 2021. I'm glad 2020 is over and done with. Um, Thel Reed, he is the fastest gun alive. You've been shooting since the ripe young age of, uh, oh, before you reached 10 years old, I think, uh, according to your biography. How, how did you get involved in uh, the gun world and, you know, just kind of briefly retrace uh, retrace your steps there? Take and, us back. Yeah. Well, see, when I was growing up, there was nothing but Westerns on TV back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And that's all I watched. It was like, who's the fastest gun? All this kind of stuff. And they started having all the contests. And uh, I started winning them. And I, I just had a, kind of a knack, I guess. And uh, then Colt Firearms in 1958, so the only map they ever threw, they had posters made up with a blank face that said, wanted the fastest gun alive. And they threw a, a live ammunition match. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the president of Colt then was Fred Roth. And he was really, he was all the studios all the time. We were filming, and he was really into that Western stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had it out by Palm Springs and Yucca Valley. The line judges were all the Warner Brothers actors, like Sugarfoot and uh, Bronco Lane and stuff. Wow. And it was like, wow, this is really something. Cool. And it was 12-inch blue to 21 feet from the draw. Mm-hmm. And they had a, uh, they both whistled to start, and they just visualized it by eye. And I, I wanted, I was about 15, 14 or 15, because all these fast guns, none of them 
seem to hit anything. <laughs> it was a break for me. Anyway, that kind of started off, and uh, that's when and Gene Autry contacted me right after that. Uh-huh. I wanted to know if I wanted to go on his last road show, wow. which was from California to New York. And that was really a exciting time for me. It was just a really a blast. Wow! And and, and then and then it had you, to be a great experience. You're no kidding. Uh, and then you uh, had an appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. I saw that clip at, where uh, oh. Ed was kind of surprised. He was. I think he was wondering when are you going to draw. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see it again? Well, yeah. I, you know, we had rehearsals the day before, and I'd never done that before. So I'm in a New York on the stage. I'm a stage manager. Ed's not there right now. This is rehearsal. And I have a real, real bright, like a big spotlight out there. I only shining right in my eyes. I said, God, do you have to shine that thing on me? I got nickel plated guns. If I flip them around, I'm about to drop one. I said, but if I do, you can just cut it. We can edit it. And the guy starts laughing. He says, hey, kid, this is live TV. <laughs> what you see is what you get. There you go. Now, that really made me nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. And, yeah. From, and, from, and from there, you went on to uh, a career in the motion pictures? Yeah, that kind of stuff. We were promoting a movie called Stagecoach. That was a remake of the John Wayne one. Oh, that was yeah. with uh, Allie Cord and then uh, Anne Margaret and Bing Crosby. And yeah, I worked in that movie as more of a technical advisor. And then uh, they had promotions all over the world. They sent me to Japan, Tokyo, promote it. And then uh, they had a big parade to Tokyo with the stagecoaches and all that stuff. And Winchester had made a gold plate in 94 Winchester it was a stagecoach rifle mm. and all the Indians and we had about 10 Indians on horseback they all had the rifles in their hands and I was on the stagecoach with Slim Pickens was the only actor that could actually drive a six up uh-huh. it was it was quite a time performed for the royal family there wow and uh, it was, they just were crazy about westerns they're worse than I am and, and they still are crazy about westerns well from uh, what I understand Japan at one time probably had more fast draw clubs than any other country in the world wow yeah well we took a tour over there in, in 1961 Casey Tibbs the champion cowboy oh, okay yeah. 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 yeah well Casey brought it over he brought me and Ben Johnson of course everybody yep. knows Ben Johnson yep. won the Oscar last picture show yep. but uh, we performed we had uh, about an hour hour show Robin stage goes to Deadwood stage, the gunfight, the OK Corral. And we were doing three shows a day, and they were packed, completely mm-hmm. packed every time. Wow. And then, uh, then we were invited to the Western Club out there, and they had a huge place. And these were all wealthy people, obviously. They had their own stagecoach, horses. They had fast draw with kind of these toy guns. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the guys put up too much powder in his, and he blew it up. <laughs> 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 I said, hey, uh, slow down, boys. We'll be OK. Yeah. <laughs> Dale, I have a question for you. I noticed in reading about you here, a uh, name popped up, Jeff Cooper. Now, I, I oh, worked yeah. with a Jeff yeah. Cooper. Um, on a, did he, was he an actor as well as a, as a gunman? No, he made a lot of appearances. Uh, he was the brain behind the whole uh, the combat master thing. He started that oh. in the practical shooting for uh, police officers and stuff. And we used to go to different police departments. And uh, uh, Jeff would do the talk, and I'd do the shoot mainly. Well, he shoots some, too. But uh, how the 1911 was better to have than a 38 double axe revolver, all many reasons. And uh, so I know that Long Beach PD and uh, there's a couple other ones, Seal Beach and a couple other ones uh, converted right over to them. And I was a reserve police officer on Montebello PD, and we had an option. I figured if the guys want to carry their wheel guns, let them carry them. And uh, I set up a combat course for them to practice with the officers. And uh, it was really cool. These guys got really proficient, and I seemed to be a lot better for them. So... You, you don't like wheel guns, then? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I love wheelmaking. <laughs> He's packing two of them right now. I, I know that that's all I that's all I carry is a wheel. I I, I used to have a semi-automatic, but. Um, it, the arthritis doesn't allow me to rack a slide any longer, so uh, it's got to be the, uh, the 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 wheel gun. Here, I'll let you hear hear my wheel gun right now. Well, let me ask nice, you. nice. <laughs> so it's it's important to uh, remember that when Fell won the leather slap, he has two two very interesting distinctions. Yeah. Uh, he well, first of all, he's a member of the Golden Circle, which is Jeff Cooper. Uh, Jack Weaver, Eldon Carl, and Ray Chapman, and Thel Reed. And you had to be, John you Ray. had to win it, number one. Number two, you had to be a certified range officer for the military or the, uh, or the, or the law enforcement. And lastly, you had to have won it twice. Not just once, twice. Thel's mm-hmm. the only one to have ever won it all three times in a row with a single action Colt. Jeez. The other guys, 95% of them carried automatic 1911s. Wow. He's kind of the Annie Oakley of today. I guess. Wow. Well, Let's and truly <laughs> lightning and lightning. It's amazing. It's hard for Thel to brag on himself. I kind of love to do it. It's one of my hobbies. You're good When he that. went to work for Gene Autry, uh, Gene would put an ad in the paper a week to two weeks ahead of schedule of the town they were coming to. And the ad would say, all comers welcome. <laughs> quick quick draw competition. $10,000 cash. And these guys would show up. And he would also make sure that his, the road manager would call the police department and say, listen, I hope you guys are going to be out there because we're bringing our quick draw, our gunfighter, and any of your policemen want to compete against him. Well, we'd love to, but we don't have $10,000 cash. <laughs> He'd say... Well, you don't need ten thousand dollars cash. You just need to come up, uh, come up against this with a pair. If if we lose, we give you ten thousand cash. If you lose, you give us a pair of matching Colts. Mm, so that tour hit sixty cities in the U.S. Wow! At the end of the tour, Thel Reed had sixty pair of matching serial numbered Colts, and he decorated the wall in his living room with it. So I, you know, I've teased you guys before that I want my, uh, I want my living room decorated in beef jerky. Yeah. As a wallpaper. Yeah. Fell uh, Reed had you, you sixty said, pair of Colts. You said wild turkey? No, no, no. Beef jerky. <laughs> beef jerky. Oh, okay. I thought he's bottles and of wild, wild turkey. turkey is my cologne. <laughs> so that, that's just you know some of the 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 mute the true lore of Fell Reed, undefeated. He was 16 years old. Yeah. That is incredible. Incre- just practice, 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 right, Phil? I was firing about 2,000 rounds a week of live ammunition at the time. Damn. So I was red hot then, of course. You practice all the time to get that way. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it still is. Do, do, you, uh, do you do your own ammo or do you purchase? Well, I used to. My dad made me load it at first. I used to cast my own bullets and size them and then load them all up, yeah. and then he finally got me a, a star loader, which you can load a lot faster. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he made me learn the whole thing from the ground up, which was good. What about, now I'm, I just get factory ammo when I can. What, yeah. about, what about black powder? You, do you shoot black powder? Uh, not not much. I, I have shot it, but it's awful hard to clean. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Soap I, and water. Yeah, that that's really, that's about it, soap yeah. and water. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I used to do Civil War uh, reenacting 
and uh, per pirate reenacting, and I've, I have. Uh, um, oh, he has a cannon too. Hey, I got a cannon. I got a, a small uh, anti-personnel cannon. I've got uh, a musket and about four or five uh, cap and ball revolvers. So, but they are wow. they are those a pain guys in the butt to clean. Those guys used to a lot of trouble, but be in combat, didn't they, in those days? Oh yeah. For sure, misfires uh, to the to the max. If you want to unload them, you got to discharge them. Oh it, yeah, right. <laughs> we had an issue with yeah. my musket that uh, oh, yeah. it didn't fire. Bunker had come over to the house, and I had to get him to help me get the get the ball out because I couldn't get a good grip on it. So I kept trying to reach the trigger, and Harry kept slipping, yeah, yeah. slapping my hand. I know it's like, well, whatever. <laughs> No, it's a lot of fun, though. It is. It? it is. It is. I'll yeah. tell you what. Just to me, this is, this is kind of personal, but how important firearms are. My stepdad, my second stepdad went into the hospital with Grand Beret, you know, that mm-hmm. Legionnaire disease. Mm-hmm. And he come out, and he was, he was pretty depressed and pretty, you know, he couldn't do anything. He's just laid up in bed. And his birthday came up, and I went out and got him one of those Hawking kits. Mm-hmm. And he was a gunsmith oh, already. Cool. He put it together, but that, that that in a way saved his life. Yep. You know, just being able to do that. Yeah. Phil, uh, would you please yeah, tell the story of Lucky at the leather oh. slap? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> the leather slap was held with any kind of gun, 9 millimeters, 38 or bigger. And any type of holster, you could walk up to because Jeff would steal it. You couldn't tell a guy in a real gunfight, hey, you can't use that holster. It's not legal. So, so you, we had we had we had guys with cavalry draws, all the fast draw guys, and a lot of these fast draw guys, some of the supposed uh, champions, world champions, would come up with big deflector plates on the bottom of their holster, looks like a shovel. Huh. And I say, God, aren't you guys more confident in your draw than that? But anyway, lucky, <laughs> lucky, lucky had uh, lucky. That's a heck of a name. His name was Lucky Tulak. He uh, he had shot himself. In the leg, practicing four different times with live ammo, <laughs> and he, he didn't hardly even limp, you know. And he comes up to the letter slap, and it's going to be the fifth time. He says, "He fell." He said, "I really got this figured out." And he had a double action, thirty-eight, and then he said, "Be single action." And then he had this huge deflection play. He said, "No way I can shoot myself with this." <laughs> he gets ready for the match, and warm, warming up. He whips it out somehow, shoots himself through the leg again, the fifth time. And Lucky pulls out Lucky strikes cigarettes, fall face, lights him up. He says. You know, Phil, I think I'm going to take him a new sport. Wow. He was dedicated, though. It took him five times to learn that he couldn't do it. <laughs> well, you know what? what uh, yeah, the leather slap was the biggest match of the year, though. When uh, Jeff yeah. Cooper, when that thing built so big, everybody came from all, they came from all over the world. We had shooters from Japan even wow. come to that match. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they they had too many to go man to man. They'd be t- match would last three or four days that way. So every single guy would come up and they qualified. They'd have to draw at a twelve inch plate. There's time to the electronic time in the back of the plate when the bullet strikes it. So they would take the five average average draws. Each draw you choose as many times it takes you to hit the plate. Well, the sixteen that qualified were all one shot hits, and then the sixteen would match man to man, and the last man standing won the match. The way it worked. And according to Jeff, you didn't have a chance with a peacemaker. They were a great gun in their day, but not now. Well, I said, well, as long as you get it out first, you hit the target. What's the difference? Yeah, and really. Long story short, I loaded five rounds of my gun. It's five. So 
I draw him, hit the plate, draw him, hit the plate. He said, reload. I said, no. Anyway, I did never reload. I shot all five, but I missed the last shot. I was out of the match. Mm. And uh, I was I was on that day, so I had a nice tight group in there, won the qualification, and went on to win the overall. But, uh, See was, that 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 just goes to they'll just, never have another match like that again with the liabilities nowadays. That just you know, really that <laughs> just goes to show that it's the shooter as opposed to the firearm. Uh, you know, oh yeah, and everybody you know when I was doing my shopping for a firearm, they're saying, "Oh, semi-automatic, get this brand, get this brand." And I'm thinking, you know, I'm familiar with certain brands, and I'm just going to stick with that because I know them, and. Uh, I'm very, very happy. <laughs> and there is a consistency in yeah, interactions. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Well, well uh, one rule that Fell always used to say, he's repeated it to me a thousand times. He said to me, Todd, you never go into battle with an untested, unused, unfamiliar gun. Oh, for sure. It makes yeah. more sense than you can talk. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. but th there are so many pearls of wisdom from Fell Reed over the years. I, I, I would rather him say them, but... Uh, Fell, I have to ask you also to please uh, share the story of um, the Wild West shows in Asia. Oh, that was great, yeah. The, the first American Wild West show uh, ever, well, I don't know if ever, but in uh, Japan anyway, was Casey Tibbs when he brought over the American Wild West show in Rodeo. And uh, that was 1961. And I step off the airplane in uh and uh, I forgot what it was, a big airport in Tokyo. And I'm firing my two peacemakers out the door there with a full load five and one. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they laughed, and that was the good old days, you know? Yeah. And every performance we had out there was packed. Everyone. We do three a day. We had, uh, you know, on, on Saturdays and Sundays and stuff. And we had just had one day off. It was it was tough on everybody, but it was a lot of fun. It was a kick. And uh, they just loved it. And that was the first one. And in 1987, I, I promoted a show to uh, mainland China. Hmm. And, uh, in uh, Zhuhai, China, by the Pearl River, it's a free economic zone. Mm -hmm. We have a big stadium built there. Mm -hmm. And we had that, that thing was packed for every performance also. And then even all the army troops came out there. Oh. And they'd get up there to stand, and they'd and holler. And there, the stands were, the bleachers were built real, real high. And these guys were drinking that Muay wine. <laughs> it's up to like 100 some proof. Yeah. <laughs> I remember there's a guy way at the top of the stand whooping it down, and he, he falls off the stand and he tumbles all the way down to the bottom of it. And his buddies are just laughing. They left him unconscious until the show was over. They didn't want to interrupt the show. <laughs> 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, what a time over there. That's funny. He humidity would uh, kill a horse, which yeah, it did. For sure. We got to take our first commercial break. Our guest on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West is the fastest gun around, and that would be Mr. Thel Reed, Harry Alexander, Todd Roberts, and Bunker de France. You are listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We'll be back with much more right after these messages. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities 
activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honorveterans to find out how you can help. Watch classic Western movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Fighter music there, I think, huh? I think that sounds like Dwayne Eddy with a pair of 44s. It could be, I don't know. Uh, welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts, our guest, Thel Reed, the fastest gun alive. Thel, you've done a lot in the uh, movie business and the picture business, and I'm wondering who, well, I know you, that you've been a gun coach for. Uh, numerous movies. Uh, explain how that all started. Well, kind of by accident, actually. Uh, after a stagecoach, that was in '66. Uh, I was doing mostly overseas shows. You know, we had the uh, Belgium also was one, and uh, you know, just like China and Tokyo and everything. But uh, when a tombstone come on, they asked me to come on a movie as the armor and gun coach. You know, I'm responsible for all the guns also. And I had to get in that and teach the actors to carry the period gun and use them in the correct way that they did the Old West. You know, not any two-handed shooting and stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, everybody had quite a good time doing that. In fact, on one Sunday off, because they're working six days a week and it's hot there in Arizona, yep. Tombstone, I put a memo out and I said, on Sunday, if anybody wants to come out and take their cast guns and fire some live ammunition under controlled circumstances, of course, or for me standing by, by their elbow, uh, they can fire some silhouette targets and just... Uh, check them out to see how the guns recoil and everything. Because we're getting ready to do the OK Corral gunfight scene. Long story short, I didn't think there'd be too many people showed up. Everybody showed up, plus hmm. the director, and they all wanted to shoot the gun. The director <laughs> wanted to shoot the Motlin Special, and then Val Kilmer was uh, his peacemaker, and, and Kurt, everybody. And they just had a ball. You had to actually shoot real bullets. And then that's never been done before, I don't think, in a movie, but that was uh, their day off. And then they got ready for the scene, and they actually made the guns look like they were working right. It actually worked. That is and cool. I have a, a little story here for you. I'm sitting there with Troy Teske, a serving police officer, carries a Glock 40 all the time on duty. Okay. He had made a transition to Colt Peacemaker, which is amazing. He could draw and fire and hit target that you can't believe. Wow. I just want to show you. It, it's a gun in the training, right? Absolutely. Yeah. He, we, 
he's always having these training competition type things. He, our training turns into competitions. Uh, just the other couple weeks ago, we um, we went up to a place called Finger Rock and and uh, outside of Bullhead City. It's and it looks like a big finger, mm-hmm. like you're getting the finger from which one the bird <laughs> and. Uh, and so it's it's an awesome place, a great place to shoot, and then nice all these little ranges. You have to go through a jeep to get there, but but we went up there with uh, one of the guys he did train in Tombstone, and that's Mike Rook, Michael Rooker, and uh, we went up with him and one of the local judges that uh, we hang out with uh, and shoot. We love to shoot together, but uh, uh, we go up there and uh, we'll compete compete with uh, all kinds of different things. I'll have blanks. For the uh, for the peacemakers and and uh, he'll get us down there and start um, doing competitions as to, to who's who wins the, the match, you know, and and uh, it's just a blast. And so he yes he 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 trains and works still with all kinds of uh, celebrities and and uh, friends. They're basically friends of his. He's a lot of fun, I'll tell you, because uh, by the way, the only uh uh, load for the peacemakers were live ammunition for most of the shooting, but I decided in the fast draw with Rooker, especially Rooker there, because he agitates everybody. Hmm. And anyway, it's a good match. It's a lot of fun. And it shows to go to go you what you said that you know it's the training of the man with the gun. If yep. a police officer can uh, do a transition from a Glock 40 to a Colt 45 peacemaker, uh, I think that's pretty damn good. I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah, in shooting uh, shooting a semi-automatic, you get kind of used to. Oh, it's going to do this, but when you're shooting a wheel gun, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just wondering. You better thumb the hammer back. <laughs> yeah, good idea. Uh, there's yeah, a, there was so. a Texas Ranger who just re- uh, passed away a couple of years ago. That he was considered one of the best uh, combat mm-hmm. uh, gun handlers in, in in the Texas Ranger history. I can't remember his name, but did you ever run across him? You talking about Joaquin? Yes, yes, that's him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, talk, I spoke to him on the phone just a little while before he died, talking about uh, cutting down a '94 Winchester to uh, he cut it down to 16 inch barrel. And I and, and Sam Elliott, I was working with Sam Elliott at the time, and he he bought two '94 Winchesters uh, made like in the 1950s. And he had talked to Joaquin a lot too. We had him cut down to the, the 16 inch barrel, and they're really handy to handle in the car and everything. And Joaquin said. If you have that in your trunk and a police pull you over, it's not an AR if you're if you're hunting rifle. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, all of them are. Yeah, yeah. It just depends on what but you're. Sam Ellis done a real good shot, by the way. Sam Ellis got some really nice Colts and Winchesters that he he can really shoot. Hmm. Wow. So, but, uh, Phil, uh, we have a rule on the show that we never ask anyone to tell us stories about people they don't like. I, I ask questions like, like that all the time. <laughs> Bunker. Well, it's Bunker. We don't have enough time. So, anyway. the, the, the bar is not open yet, Bunker. So, um, here, here it is. So the we we don't ask we don't ask for stories of, that we dislike or negative stories, but we'd love you to tell us some yeah, stories of dislike, the people yeah. that you loved working with the most or had the best time the, or learned the most. Any of those? Yeah. Well, of all the actors I worked with, especially on Quicker to Dan. You know, with Sharon Stone and Gene Hackman and Russell Crowe. That's where I met Russell Crowe, by the way. And uh, we'd go out shooting a lot. They, they all wanted to go shooting all the time. And the most phenomenal shot I'd see is actually Russell Crowe. I told him he could be a professional 
competition shooter if he didn't want to quit acting. He's really that good. In fact, I got to be on my game if I'm going to stay ahead of him. It was, it was amazing. But uh, Karen was dropped at Georgia, so. <laughs> Much better looking, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, though. Uh, I did a film with Lance. Well, Dean Hackman is telling me, he says, I'm going to make a phone call for you. There's a Western coming up. And, you know, and then finally, about three weeks later, we'll get, he's getting ready to go on. We're getting ready to do this scene. He says, oh, I forgot about this call. So he holds up the film and runs off, comes back. He says, go, uh, you go see this guy uh, at Sony Pictures. And I kind of forgot about it. Anyway, it was one of the producers from, uh, and Walter Hill was directing this movie called Wild Bill, about Wild Bill Hickok that mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Bridges starred in. And so I'm on the movie, right? And I look like a political hire to these guys. And finally, after I'm working for a while, everybody's happy. And then Gene Hack, uh, I mean, uh, it was Walter Hill, the director, and Jeff Bridges, the star, and there he's carried Tell, tell us what you've got on Gene Hackman. He never does favors for anybody. <laughs> well, well, you Gene took Hackman him out. Uh, tell him the story of night. shooting with Gene Hackman. Well, well, at first, Gene didn't want to practice. Uh, Sam Raimi would send me uh, to a Gallup in Mexico, which is close by where uh, Gene was living at the time. And he uh, read a big sweep, and he'd give you a whole list of stuff that Gene's supposed to practice. So Gene shows up, you know, I'm waiting about an hour late, of course. He comes in, I said, uh, uh, Mr. Raymond wants you to practice this. He says, we'll just cheat it, we'll just cheat it. He doesn't practice. So I called Sam up. He said, how was the practice going? I said, well, Mr. Hackman didn't really want to practice. He said, what? I said, he's in a cabin where winning actor. What am I going to do, make him practice? Come on. <laughs> so long story short, we get ready for this one scene, and he's not doing too good. He says, he stops every day. He says, Del, come on over here. Behind the uh, armory, which we filmed at one location pretty much. I had a big uh, barrel full of five and one blanks. He started practicing. He started getting really good, really good fast. He picked up on it right away. And uh, he became one of the fastest guns on the movie, and he could do all the stuff on his left hand. He was really good. But he had to get the motivated, I guess. You know, that Quick and the Dead, to me, was really a, a very impressive Western from the gunpoint standpoint because you had all of these different people who were supposed to be gun experts, and I have to say, you did a magnificent job because they all, every one of them looked proficient and looked like they could do the job. And I'm just wondering well, because... Yeah, they don't want to look bad on the screen. That's the whole key you got to them right yeah. there. Yeah, and Leonardo it, DiCaprio then was only 19 when I started training him. And, uh, he was always playing with video machine and screwing around. I said, come on, you got to practice. I said, and he had his pants hanging. I said, pull up your pants, get your gun. <laughs> I work with the pistol. And I was, when I was doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I, I see him on the set. I said, I guess you're a movie star now, aren't you? Oh, I don't know. I said, yeah, you are. So, <laughs> but you still got to practice. <laughs> well, you know, Lance Hendrickson really impressed me with his character. And I don't, you know, because they were all, like I say, they were all impressive. But that was one of the characters that I thought, man, I would have loved to have seen his backstory and and the stuff. Because it was just something about, and I know it's the actor, but it was just something about he, he made you believe he was that guy with the gun. Well, our own Bunker de France was uh, that guy with the gun when he was a, a younger guy. That's true. And uh, practicing in front of the TV. Hey, I got this is so funny. When I when I was when I, well, I was in high school and then I ended up in the picture business, but I used to practice like everybody else did because it was the era of Warner Brothers. Yep. And I could beat all of the guys on TV except Wade Preston. <laughs> I mean, you know, Paladin was easy. Arnest, so I could I could 
I could do it with my left hand. But Preston, I could not beat. <laughs> you know, because they do the quick, quick draw stuffs in the opening. One day, I just had myself psyched up. I'm going, I'm going to beat them today. I'm there. I'm in front of the TV. I'm cocked. I'm ready. <laughs> it comes on. I draw and I beat them. But my gun kept going and it just missed the TV set by about <laughs> three inches. So he got me. <laughs> and on that note, we're, we're, and on that note, we're going to take our next break here. You are listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Todd Roberts is with us. Phil Reed is our guest. And quick straw to France. And quick straw to France. I'm Harry Alexander. We'll be back. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. With the fall and the coming of cooler weather, Tucson Trap and Skeet now institutes our fall hours. Office hours are Wednesday through Sunday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. And automated fields are open daily from 7 a.m. until dusk. So come out and shoot from one of our 50 trap fields, 13 skeet fields, or five international bunkers. Visit TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com for all of our upcoming events or call 883-6426. Hi, everyone. This is Susan McRae. Welcome to Chaparral Roundup. I Chaparral debuted back in 67 and lasted until 71. March 12th through the 14th in Tucson, Arizona, I'll be hosting Chaparral Roundup, a get-together with fans, friends, and special guests featuring confessions of an acting cowboy, highlights of the life and career of Don Collier, who was Sam Butler on the show, lunch at the White Stallion Ranch, the location where we shot several episodes of the High Chaparral, with music, a Western show, a question and answer panel with special guests, the great Western band, Fort Worth West, and so much more. The registration form with all information is on the website, chaparralroundup.com, or on the Facebook page, Chaparral Roundup, March 12th through the 14th, 2021, in Tucson, Arizona. Great fun with great people. Chaparral Roundup. You don't want to miss it. 
My name is Neil Summers. I started my 53-year stunt profession on High Chaparral and Gunsmoke and a few other shows, and I'm still active, and uh, I want to thank Voices for the West for having me on. Just the Voices of the West. We are back. That's music to my ears. <laughs> we are back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker DeFrance, Todd Roberts. Our guest is Ethel Reed. And before we move on, um, some important words here. Um, the High Chaparral reunion scheduled for March has been postponed until October. Is that correct? October, from what I was told. Okay. Uh, but you can you know, stay in touch uh, with... With the high chaparral yeah. sites, and and we'll update you yeah. as we have new information. Exactly, they they do have a Facebook page, and uh, so there you go. I just wanted to mention something too, because Neil Neil just you know said me about working on chaparral, and we did a ton of them together, but uh, we also did a gun smoke, mm-hmm. and uh, Neil, myself, Stacy Newton, and Press uh, Steve Bone. Mm-hmm. We we had to go up against our nest. It was a funeral scene. He come out, your old rancher. We're we're some of the ranch hands, and we draw down on them. Mm-hmm. Well, they holler action. We draw down, and all four of us beat them. <laughs> and they said, "No, you can't beat our nest." And I said, "Well, we didn't try to." <laughs> so we yeah, we did it again, and we slowed down, and still beat we still beat. Them. Of course, he was horseback, so I know that yeah. that affects it. But so finally, it's like you know, it's like we're drawing so slow that it, it looks like we're in slow motion, <laughs> and maybe we beat him. Maybe it was a tie. Finally, one of us popped off and just said. Why don't you do it in cuts? Yeah, I said that way he, it doesn't matter who's fastest. Exactly. You got it, yeah. and that's what we did. But uh, you know, not all the fast guns on TV were fast guns. Phil, did you ever work with uh, Glenn Ford? No, darn, I didn't. I wish I had it. I understand. But I worked with Arn Ashley. Uh, we brought. They asked me on a Gunsmoke production to come out to the set with the New Hall, California, at the Melody Ranch, mm-hmm. and there was nothing out there then. There was no condos, no houses, nothing around there. They wanted to do a live ammunition demonstration with the peacemakers, which I did. And then all the cast members got to shoot uh, the peacemakers with real bullets, of course, I was under controlled circumstances while I'm by their elbow again. Right. But anyway, they all, they all fired them, and they all, everybody had a great time, him and Chester and everybody. And that was probably the only time ever that they've had a guy come out there and demonstrate a live ammunition that I know of anyway. Well, my understanding yeah. is that Glenn Ford was the fastest uh, actor uh, in in uh, uh, fast draw, there's a whole bunch of them claim that though. Sammy no, I, Davis, I, I don't know. It, it, Jerry my, Lewis. You I know. understand that he had been timed. He had and, been, yeah, and uh, was in fact the fastest. Uh, so that it's like boxing well, you know, on any given day. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, you know that that could be. I like the way he carried his gun, but I can't figure out why in those scenes when he's in the fastest gun alive and the seat man, he's got his gun at full cock of the holster before he draws it. Yeah, and I think that was on account of his gun coach, which I had it just easier this way. You won't have to redo it or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I went anyway. out. No, I understand he was very good. He, he was going to come up to the letter slap and shoot one year. I heard, but he, mm-hmm. he didn't seem to make it. But he would have been great. Mm-hmm. He was you... one of my favorite actors, by the way. He was also in the Marine Corps, yep. and then uh, they made an officer in the Navy during the transition. I don't know how the hell yeah. he did that. Yeah. I guess you can do anything if you're an actor. Yeah, <laughs> well, I did several shows with him, and he. He was definitely proficient, you know, that's for sure. Well, I think so, too. I think he was really good. Well, I've got to tell you, 
You've been saying that he's the fastest gun around. He still is the fastest gun around. Okay. I, I, I'll never forget when he was in my kitchen and we were goofing around with guns and he just pulled his gun out and and shot two rounds and it sounded exactly like one round. Wow. <laughs> and, and I just thought, did you just shoot twice? And he goes, well, yeah, and he did it again. I just thought, oh. And, and actually, he's got a Colt sitting right here. You guys might want to hear that. I oh, go for it. Pick it up. Well, these are empty and safe guns, by the way. We're playing with. Okay. I'm okay. gonna have I'm gonna have Troy. So I've been teaching him to do uh, two shots with one hand. Okay. Right. Ready, Troy? Good that. <laughs> Good job, man. Yeah. Two shots. Well, that's not fanning it. That's summing two shots. Good job. Wow. That shows you that a serving police officer that used the Glock to pick up a cold piece maker. That's good. <laughs> good job, Troy. So <laughs> he's teaching me how to do. So, so none none of this fanning nonsense uh, when when they're drawing, right? You can't hit anything. Can't, well, of course you can't. <laughs> well, no, no, he just does with one thumb, one oh, thumb. Damn, first wow. shot. Just get it out. So, uh, so I'm going to tell the I'll tell a story of truly how fast the bell is. Not to not to top uh, Troy's story, but. We're working, Fell is living with me for about two years, and he, we worked on several pictures. Uh, he worked on several pictures. Sometimes I'd help him. And uh, he came to me one day and said, uh, hey, buddy, uh, you want to go shooting? I said, yes, of course. <laughs> he said, great. We're going uh, to get up at about uh, five or so, uh, maybe six. You have our coffee, and we hit the road directly. So I said, great, and I'm just, you know, me, I, any day that I can go shooting, that's almost as good as a day of where I get to get, eat barbecue. <laughs> so I'm just as happy as a, just, a, I am just out of my tree. And we get in the car, and we head out, and we go over to Angela's shooting range, which still um, is one of his favorite spots, and we go over there, and we set up, and uh, um, uh, I get, we get there, and there's a bunch of other people there. And um, I'm like, oh, look who's here. He goes, well, of course they're here, Todd. This is, we're all here together today. <laughs> I said, I, oh, okay. And I'm looking around, and it's all the technical people from Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, mm -hmm. which were a lot of guns in that movie. Yes. Fell was one of the armor. So all of a sudden, uh, Mark Stepovich, who's the technical advisor, senior technical advisor, says, Mr. Roberts, uh, uh, you want to join us uh, and get with us here? I was over getting a cup of coffee, and I said, oh, okay, great. I, you know, I, I just thought it was like you know, a, a fun day. Mm -hmm. He goes, uh, we're here to work, Mr. Roberts. Are you ready to work? <laughs> I said, oh, oh, uh, yeah, uh, yes, sir. And by the way, let me preface. Mark Stepovich, SEAL Team 6. <laughs> okay? Well, now. So I, he says... Okay, I'm glad, Mr. Roberts, sir, that you're ready to work, sir, because we're here and we are ready to work. We are here to work. Okay. I said, yes, sir. Absolutely, sir. He goes, can you work with a cup of coffee in your hand? I said, no, sir, I surely can't. And the coffee disappeared. And uh, so I, he said, here's the, here's the arrangement. The arrangement is, is we are putting on a shooting clinic uh, three weekends in a row, every other weekend on a Saturday for Brad and Angie. They'll be here between noon and one. Our job here is to set up uh, for them. This is their course. This is their classroom. We're going to set it up. We're going to train them. And um, the, the rule is if the sooner we set up, we can start shooting. Once they get here, we stop. 
shooting, they start shooting, we start working. So we set everything up, and they'll had, you know, I had my 1911, and I had my uh, my my rig to go with it, and all the all the uh, technical guys, they're all ex uh, law enforcement or ex military, and uh, so they're all putting on their rigs, and we all everybody's got 1911s, and uh, a couple guys had SIGs, and so on, and. Um, I look around at Phil and I said, uh, Phil, uh, where's, where's your rig? He goes, oh, oh, buddy, don't worry about me. I'm okay. <laughs> so I said, uh, okay. So we all go through the course. It's a, like a, like a, a SWAT team course. And um, they go through it, and some guys are just blowing through it so fast. They're just as quick as, as uh, uh, grease through a gun. And, you know, everybody, different people are doing better than others and so on. I do pr- probably pretty f- poorly pretty slow and so all of a sudden Stepovich goes uh mr reed uh your presence is required he goes uh mr Stepovich, uh i'm not working today he goes no no, no. I, it would be a great great personal favor to me if you would just run through the course now you have to realize all the other guys have already run through it so they've already this the times of how quickly this goes the fast guys, the medium guys, and the slow guys. It's all been now, it's all the standard has been set. The floor, the table has been set. Everybody knows who's quick, who's slow, who's medium. Bell says, okay, fine. So he takes his six guns, he puts them on. He blows through the course faster than the fastest automatic 1911 there. <laughs> and at the end, they're all standing around looking at each other going, well, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> What's Thel doing? He's in over on the side, working, loading magazines for the MP4s and MP5s that Angie and Brad are gonna. Doesn't talk about himself. Doesn't do it. They bring him back out and they say, Stepovich goes, Thel, one last, uh, one last uh, little uh, exhibition for us." He says, "Come on, Mark, give me a break." He goes, "I'll buy you lunch if you do this." He says, "Okay, fine." Free lunch. He takes a golf ball out of his pocket, tosses it out on the dirt. About a good, I'd say, oh, at least um, 15 feet away. And he says, all right, make it dance. And Thel made that golf ball dance all the way to the end of the berm, end of the range. Wow, wow. Shooting it, making it skip. If you didn't know any better, you'd think that it was tied to fishing wire and it was being pulled along, jerked along by a cat. Hmm. Well, you're saying he actually shot better than you. Uh, yes, that happened often. Let's, let's be honest. I think it always happened. Val, <laughs> do you want to share anything there? You're paying the butt. I know that. <laughs> well, you did a good job out there. You really did good, as usual. You know, good to thank have you, pal. Yeah. You know, I, I I worked on the Bearcat series, did most of the shows, and one of the one of the real pleasures for me on the show is I got to know the prop guy. I wish I could remember his name, because we were using you know this was the turn of the century soldier of fortune out west right. kind of show, and we were using all different types of firearms, and uh, to me it was an honor, but. Between setups and stuff, I'd help load the weapons and stuff for, and I have a great appreciation for the armorers because, it, you know, it was a blast doing it. But it was, and I was thinking, you know, I can load these things, but 
half of them or more, I couldn't break them down and put them back together. No, no, I, I found that to be, I, when I worked for the Florida Park Service uh, and uh, uh, did the reenactments and, and such, we had, I, I, got, I, I got to go to a special school where they uh, trained us in old school weapons, and uh, they had some actual old school weapons uh, that we we shot like a um, oh the uh, uh, fire the rifle that was used during the uh, Span Am War the mm-hmm. uh, um, what was that is uh, that a Springfield uh, Spring, uh, Springfield and, and uh, Craig 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 yeah and uh, also uh, shot uh, a matchlock firearm now that's an interesting thing to do they don't work well in the uh, in the damp weather, though. <laughs> hey, we got to do our. Yeah, for sure. We got to do our final break here. We're talking with um, Thel Reed, the fastest gun alive, and uh, that's on this edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker DeFrance is here. Todd Roberts is here as well. We'll be back with uh, the tail end of the program right after these very important messages. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Hymas Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. I'm Wilkinson Investments. They're really good at what they do. 777-1911. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. 
Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseandaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker de France and Todd Roberts. Our guests, they'll read The Fastest Gun Alive. 77, you're still fast, eh? What, 1977? No, no. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, he's so fast. He is fast, yeah. Uh, well, I'm still working anyway. Okay. Uh, you guys were talking about uh, uh, the fast guns in Hollywood. Yeah. Then we mentioned Lance Henderson. He's the only guy I've ever armed the way I thought a gunfighter should be armed. It was in Gunfighter's Moon. He has two cold peacemakers on. He has a bowie knife at the back of his belt. He has a, a, a four-barreled uh, sharp derringer and a British bulldog. And an 1876 Winchester instead of a 73. Now, that, he was armed. I yeah. guess so. That's a smart man. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding, man. Have, have you seen this, uh, Thel, have you seen this series? Uh, it ran on Australian television uh, a couple years back uh, called Wild Boys. And oh, wow. It's about um, uh, road agents, although they call them uh, Bush uh, what do they call them? Uh, Bush Rangers. Right? Bush Rangers, yeah. And, and uh, it takes place in the 1860s. The first one I saw, I was most impressed because the the weapons were actual, they were loading cap and ball. And uh, it's like, wow, you know, Hollywood usually uses uh, just a regular old six-shooter. Uh, uh, converted to look like it. Yeah. 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 E for that. So I, I just thought that I was did a, really I good. did a movie in Australia with Russell Crowe. It might be the one you're talking about. Well, this we was a, used Captain Balls all the way through it. Yeah, no, this was a TV series. It uh, only oh, lasted. not the same one. Now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let me ask you a question here. This is this is always one of the things that's fascinated me. It's like you you see it, you know, where a guy holds his hand straight out, poker chip on the back of the hand, drops the hand, draws and hits the poker chip before it hits the ground. Now, the Hollywood guys out there, the actors, were there very many that you think, in your estimation, could could have recreated that event? The only one I can think of is Russell Crowe. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, he could do it. He, he's so good with a gun. He's at 310 to Yuma. Uh, all his stuff uh, with guns is one take. You don't wow. have to worry about having to redo it on County Club. Wow. Or something, yeah. uh, well, I have another yeah, question for you. Uh, I want to know what went on uh, when you were out there on that field trip with uh, hundreds of rattlesnakes all around. <laughs> <laughs> out of Corona, California, there was, there was nothing but rattlesnakes out there. And there was a big, huge boulder there. And you could see some farther snakes' tails sticking out and stuff. And there was just an old nest up in there, I guess. And the guy with me said, uh, he was doing the photography. He says, Well, I was a scout for General Patton during the war. He says, uh, We were fearless and all that stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, I, I reached up there and I took a stick and kind of hooked the snake out loose. And these snakes all come pulling down the hills. You couldn't believe it. 
It was a, a scene like I could create a movie. And I just started shooting with my two cool peacemakers. They run off, run out of ammo, and I run off. This guy was gone. I never saw him for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> like a coyote, why well, even just a, uh, a dust bulk in a distance. It just scared the heck out. Well, it scared me a little bit, too. Yeah. I didn't think there were that many snakes would come out from under a rock. I mean, the boulder was huge. Wow. So, so what's, yeah, your, what, was, what's your favorite Western that you've worked on? Oh, God. It's hard to, hard to say. I think about the most of them are fun on to work on. Uh, I like 310 to Yuma a lot. Yeah. Uh, Which one? Uh, the Last Magnificent Seven, I like that, too. Mm-hmm. I coached everybody on that set that, that carried a gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, we worked on that movie for about a year. Denzel got really good. Chris Pratt was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it just and we got the correct rigs and guns in there for a change. Which one do you think probably was probably that. the most authentic as far as as far as depicting mm-hmm. guns and the way people used them? Mm-hmm. I was going to say Django and Change with Quentin. Uh, I've done three movies with Quentin Tarantino. He is one wild and crazy guy. He's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, trying to think. If Once Upon a it, Time it, in the West is any indication, yeah. I mean, that that was a good movie. Well, uh, it, Once Upon really a Time in Hollywood. Or Hollywood, rather. Thank you. No. Well, once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, yeah, that was it. Yeah. I, I did that movie. I mostly trained Leonardo for his scenes um, where he's supposed to be a Western star in a series. Yeah. And uh, uh, Quentin says, walking by, he says, you know the main reason I got you on yourself? I said, no, sir, what is it? He says, you only, uh, I can't use the word, the only guy I know that was actually working in 1969. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to ask, the, you know, Todd says I never ask these kind of court. No, we don't, but I do. Uh, Arboro Jello, Rod Redwing, Phil Spangenberger, these are all guys that worked in your field, uh, and there's probably a bunch more that I just, I just can't think of. And, you know, you, I admire all of you guys for what you've done in the business. Uh, maybe anything to say about any of these guys? Well, no, we all had the same thing in common. We all got to play with guns to get paid for it. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that always impressed me about Rod, because, you know, he would go out and do the live shows and stuff, and he would do the quick draw stuff, and then he would whip out the knife and stick it in the target where he put the bullet. Yeah, that always impressed well, me. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it must be that Indian blood in him that makes me able to throw that knife so good. Yeah. <laughs> now, he, was, he, was a, he was a nice guy. He told the best jokes to him all in the best yeah. way. He used to tell me good jokes every time I ride into him. That's well, great. Phil and Phil Spangenberger did a uh, Wild West show tour together. Oh, that's great. I used to run into Phil all the time out at the Autry. Yeah. I knew him real well. He didn't know me very well, but I was just, you know, I'm I'm 80 years old, and I'm still I get around these guys, and I'm like a, you know, I'm just like <laughs> struck dumb, like, hey, like Todd. You know, you can't say anything; it's just there. We're plumb out of time. <laughs> Thel Reed, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it very well, much. Thank you for having me. Oh man, thank you very take, much. I sure enjoyed it. It's a great show, man. You come, you you're, you are uh, have an open invitation to yes, come back. Yes, indeed. And anytime. Todd, thank you for yes, for Todd, turning them on to us. I really oh, appreciate it very much. It's my pleasure. And that thank you. I get to introduce you. one of my friends to some of my other friends. Yeah. Right. And thank you, Troy. And Troy, by the way, thank you for allowing yes. us to invade your home. Oh, yes. you're welcome. You guys be fantastic. Oh, by the way, we'll be out uh, in a couple of weeks, Troy. Uh, you know, stock up. <laughs> oh, 
Rock. There you go. All right, that's it for this edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again. 78, 79, 80. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. 